I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy it. I'm so excited to discuss my sponsor today, which is Page One Books, because my summer book bundle is ready on pageonebooks.com. And the bundle that I've put together includes three books that I picked, uh, Montauk by Nicola Harrison, More Myself by Alicia Keys, and I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot, all of which have been on this podcast here. Uh, it includes a Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, Beach Tote, a cute little library card pencil slash cosmetic case, and a water bottle for staying hydrated, plus a little... Um, thing of sun lotion. So go to page1books.com, page one with the number one. So page number one books.com and check out my page one books summer bundle. Buy it as a gift, a housewarming, if you actually go somewhere or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page one books.com. Hi, today is day two of my July book blast, which I started yesterday with Memoir Mondays. Today is Debut Tuesdays, and I'm going to be featuring a number of incredible debut authors whose books have come out during the quarantine or around this time or are great beach reads and things you should definitely start reading now. I will be doing this for 10 days in July with lots and lots of episodes so that you all can enjoy it while it's still the summer. I hope you enjoy today's debut Tuesday. Listen to all of them some of them and spread the word. Brandy Ferner is the author of Adult Conversation, a novel. She is a mother, wife, and the creator of the Adult Conversation podcast, social media pages, and blog. Her writing has been featured in Good Morning America, HuffPost, Romper, Cafe Mom, Today Parents, and more. In addition to writing and fulfilling her kids' endless snack requests, she spent the past decade working as a doula, childbirth educator, and birth trauma mentor, ushering clients through the intense transition into motherhood. The insight gained from watching moms crack wide open, her words, literally and figuratively, and her own experience as an independent woman who suddenly traded autonomy for snuggles led her to say out loud the things that modern mothers are thinking. Sometimes it's serious, sometimes it's comedic, but it's always honest. She currently lives in Southern California, and her love language is sleep. Hi, Brandy. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Hi, thank you. And I, I don't know, maybe this episode should be titled Moms. Do moms have time to listen to podcasts as well? Because as a fellow podcaster, I'm like, where where is the time for being in the car and having alone time? So I feel like us moms are having a having a time right now <laughs> with both things. To be honest with you, when I look at like my download numbers, I'm like, how are people finding the time to listen to this? <laughs> right. <laughs> how are they doing it? Because I need to find the time to do it too. They're yeah. lo- locking themselves in a bathroom with a screaming child. I mean, I'm grateful. Don't get me wrong. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep listening. I'm I'm impressed and and so grateful, but. Yeah, I feel that there is no time. Well, first of all, it's not just for moms the show at all. But yes, I think particularly now there is so little time. Yes. Uh, although I feel like things are kind of lifting. Yeah. Now, you know, getting a little. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. What? It, I don't I, we don't know. Who knows? What is happening? <laughs> so, so much to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about your book, Adult Conversation, which basically was like you were in my brain for a while saying a lot of things that I would think, except you wrote them. Yeah. But tell me first about your podcast and how you even got, got to the stage where you wrote the book. Yeah, I cannot totally remember. I think the book may have come before the podcast, but as you know, the book writing process is a, can be a years-long thing. So I just had these messages about motherhood, talking about the real stuff, like you said, the things that are in your head that you aren't saying 
I sort of have a history of saying those things. And I just, it was like this fire under me that I needed to, I needed to write this thing and I needed to speak openly about these atrocities and all of the tangledness that we all think and feel, but we don't feel comfortable saying. So I started doing that with the book and then that was a process and getting it published and all of that. So meanwhile, I wanted to do the podcast to actually verbally talk about the things, many of which are the same topics on the podcast and the book. So it was like I had to attack it from all different angles, but I truly felt there was a fire under me that needed to get these messages across, really to help free other moms who feel like they're broken. The whole reason I wrote it is because I wanted moms to know, you're not broken. Motherhood is broken in these ways. And it's also beautiful in these other ways. But I just know what it feels like to be in our isolated little homes every single day and to be wondering, should this be easier? How did I not know there was so much resistance that came with all of the joyous moments? And then wondering, should I have done this? Like, am I built for this? All of that kind of stuff I really wanted to explore in the book, which I did at great length. (laughs) And have you just had people thanking you right and left and coming out of the woodwork and saying that they've never been able to say these types of things before? Yeah, Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. Like, when I started this whole thing, I never wanted to be an author. I've always been a writer, but I never had this idea that I would write a book. So one day, my, I had a I had an 18-month-old was my youngest. My oldest, I think, at that time was maybe almost eight. I remember sitting in the kitchen, and I got this idea. What would happen if two moms were totally fed up and they went to Vegas? Like, what would moms really do? At the end of their rope, would they cheat? Would they do drugs? Would they just lay in a bed alone with no one touching them? Like, what would they do? And then I got this idea of, well, what if one of them was the therapist? Because I was feeling like we're all, in a sense, we're all trying to figure out how to do this life and motherhood thing. So I liked the idea that this therapist brought so much to the main character, April, but she's human too. And so then the roles sort of reverse in the the middle of it. So I just, all of those things made me feel excited. And I thought, I can't write a book. I have an almost two-year-old, like, and I, we really couldn't afford childcare easily at the time. And so I kind of put the idea away. I thought, I can't write this. There's no way I'm not an author. And then I couldn't sleep for an entire week. And I was up at night taking notes, plot stuff coming through. I mean, it just poured out of me. So finally, after a week, I was like, all right, I will write this so that I can get my life back. And that's what I did. And did it make you feel better to get it out? Oh yeah, that was therapy for me. I mean, you know, as a writer too, that first draft was my cathartic therapy. It was just the vomit of everything I'd wanted to say. And then I went through and thought, you know, did the cleanup many times. Like, okay, well, what now will help other people and what is my own neurosis? Which some of my own neurosis still shows up in the book, which I think is relatable. But yeah, so to have people then contact me. So that was my idea at the beginning was, I just want to write this to to get this message out to other people whom it will help. And so to have that now, it's so satisfying to have people who've read it contact me. I mean, I get them almost every day. Oh my gosh, I'm in the middle of your book. I've thought all of these things. I've never said them. I thought I was alone. I had somebody contact me the other day. My husband's reading your book because he wants to know how he can help more. I mean, it's like- Aww. That's nice. So, I mean, what else could I want? That that was my goal. And the people who I wrote this book for seemed to be satisfied. Like, 
I mean, it's amazing. And so now when you go back to like the times where you're just with the kids and full on mom dumb, is it all more bearable? Not yes. to say, you know, it wasn't like amazing, no. but you know, you must you, be real. <laughs> it wasn't always amazing. No, those intense ages are intense. And my character sort of goes through some of this in the book as well. But my kids now are six and 13. And I don't know how I would have managed a quarantine with anyone younger. Like even five would have been a challenge. Toddlers, preschoolers, I don't know how I would have done it. So the kids growing up has definitely made things easier on me. They're more independent. And so, yeah, I mean, I feel like I got out what I wanted to get out about that. And then now I have things in my head, an idea for a sequel, sort of an outline of a sequel of what is April, the main character? What is it like to have a kindergartner and also a middle schooler when you're talking about crayons and also vaping? Like those are two very different things. So this is is my life because I have exactly this. I have twins who are going to be 13 next week. And then I have an almost seven-year-old and a five and a half-year-old. So this is literally like my life. I keep going back and forth and I'm like, I can't believe I'm having this conversation. And then this conversation, like it, it almost like is so surreal that it makes the whole thing kind of funny. And then I can't feel as stressed. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. it's so absurd. The absurdity of it takes <laughs> some of the, the stress away. <laughs> it's true. Totally. But yeah, it's, I mean, and I feel like I, with writing this book, I, and with a podcast, I didn't have a place to put all of the things that I, I felt. And now I have outlets for those things. So I'm a happier person. They are my form of therapy. And my hope was that by being true about my form of therapy and saying these, these honest things, that it would be other people's A form of therapy for other people. So, I mean, I, I'm just, I, and I, even with the podcast, the episodes that I do, I get messages from people and it's just, it's, it's everything. It's amazing to to be able to tend to myself while tending to other people. Like, win-win. And tell listeners what your podcast is so they can go check it out. So the podcast is called The Same as My Book, Adult Conversation. And we we cover real, real topics. Our very first one, I think I've two episodes I've gotten the most feedback on. But the first one is called Behind the Curtain of Motherhood. And me and a friend get real, real and people were like, oh my gosh, you're saying the things. You're saying the things like, why does my husband get to go for a run when we have a baby and I don't? And every time he says, I'm going to go for a run, I want to smash his face in, but then I feel guilty. But why does he get the run? And then he gets a shower after the run every day when I haven't had a shower in a week. So all of those things that you think this was just my house. Like, no, it's all of our houses. We have the run theory. It's like an actual thing. So that episode, and then I interviewed a woman named Darcy Lockman. She wrote a book called All the Rage. I interviewed her too. Oh, that book blew my mind. And so that was like, that felt like a nonfiction version of my book. And my book hadn't come out at the time. So she and I have a great, really candid conversation. So those two episodes, I feel like really let people know that we are talking about real talk here. That's awesome. There are so many scenes in the book and so many like quotes that I underline. I, after a while, I was like, you know what? I just don't think I can keep turning over the pages anymore. <laughs> here's, here's one, for instance. Mm. I am interrupted during every task and pulled in different directions by whoever needs me that minute. It's like I'm on a short leash, leash and my family are the ones holding it. I don't feel depressed or whatever I think depressed is supposed to feel, but I also don't enjoy being with my beautiful and needy children, namely my toddler. 
for 13 hours straight every single day for years on end while my husband has a career and gets to shit alone in a building with only adults. So I guess I just want to know if what I'm feeling is normal or if I'm a whiny, ungrateful bitch who should just make peace with motherhood and be happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was her That was her first when she goes to therapy when they're like, so what do you want to talk about? And she's like, yeah. uh... <laughs> Yeah. She's like, this is it. This is what I want to talk about. (laughs) And this idea about that part reminds me of this idea about like postpartum depression. I think motherhood and depression look really similar. (laughs) Motherhood and anxiety look really similar. So what I wanted the character, April, to be figuring out is like, is there something wrong with me? Do I have a mental illness? But really, I don't feel depressed. What I really want is basic human rights that mothers give up. So that part, you know, really illustrates that. Yeah. There's definitely a difference between being depressed, like with a capital D and just unhappy and like you're not happy in your life. (laughs) And those are different things. You don't need necessarily, you know, medical intervention, but you definitely need something. Exactly. Antidepressant is going to fix a situation that is fundamentally flawed. Not that motherhood is, but if there's something you know, if you're not getting the support or whatever you need. I would say that modern motherhood is fundamentally flawed, just as we've seen in so many different ways, just with the systems that aren't there to support us. So we are doing, we fill in the gaps of every broken system. So when our schools suck or there are things that aren't being offered at our schools, who shows up to do those? Us moms. So food, our food supply, when our food supply isn't good, who shows up to make sure that our kids are getting something better? So we are filling all of the broken systems instead of fighting to get the broken systems fixed so we can just be mom. We are everything and it's exhausting. It's not I, I, It's not how it was meant to be. Yeah, I feel like, especially during this time, this profound, yeah. you know, when you literally had no village to depend on at all, it was like complete familial isolation. And you're like, this is hard. Totally. <laughs> so hard. And everything is illuminated, like the gender inequality as well. I think a lot of couples have had that show up really big. Is is it just expected that the woman is going to do all of the schooling, all of the meals that now everybody has to do? And in some households, that's true. And in some households, it's not. But like, there's no looking away anymore. It's in your face. And all of the distractions that we normally have to go through life, where we cannot really think about it, or go get takeout or whatever, it's like, no, now everything is being illuminated. So I think whatever issues people had in their relationships, and I'll even include friendships in this, but their marriage right now is being accelerated. Like all of that, we're seeing, do our relationships bear the weight of this time? And so we're all finding out if they do or not. And how's yours doing? Mine's actually doing great. I did a podcast actually with my husband that was two episodes ago. I asked him for Mother's Day. I said, all I want is for you to come on the podcast. And I want to ask you honestly, what is it like to have a wife who writes about topics such as dad privilege, who is fighting against the patriarchy and who is outspoken about this stuff. And our interview blew my mind. I mean, he's a unicorn anyway. He's like amazing. But I expected him to have way more issue than what he did. And he opened up and it was kind of mind blowing. So I'll just leave you, I'll just wet your whistle with that. I did something very similar. I did it like an Instagram live recently with my husband, who's my second husband and not, and the stepfather to all my mm-hmm. kids. But I was like, you have to come on. Like, what do you really think about this? Like, cause I'm, I can yes. be a nightmare, but anyway. <laughs> and what was he, was he like, yeah, you're a nightmare. Or was he like, I love you. He was pretty good. Yeah. He's very sweet, but he, he lets me, ha- I mean, 
he does it in a in a funny way mm-hmm. when he points out when I'm being like, that's the whole difference, right? Right. Like when you can't see it yourself and the person you're acting out in front of can react like they can escalate it by like getting in it, right? Like yes. you're snapping at me, like I'm gonna snap back at you. Or you could be like, all right, well, nice to see you're, you know, losing your your mind early this morning, you know? Sorry, I missed the last humor, hour. So that's a lot better. Humor always helps anything go down. I'm on his side yes. on that. Yeah. This is the last quote I'll read. When Aaron finds out that she's seeing a therapist, he says, you're seeing a, seeing a therapist. Why? And she says, I'm blanking on her name right now. What is her name? The oh, April. April. Uh-huh. Right, April. Because I feel like I'm going to snap. I'm not doing this mother thing right. And he says, wait, what? But you're a kick-ass mother. And she says, Thanks, babe, but I'm not doubting what kind of a mother I am to our kids. I'm doubting what being that kind of mother is doing to me. That's like the whole thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I get, it's so I feel like such an idiot, but I get chills at those parts. I still read this, and I remember what it felt like to write it and the feelings that were so visceral. And I remember I was in my daughter's room. We don't have a big house. And I ended up hiring a babysitter that was like 10 bucks an hour. And I would sit in my daughter's room in the fuzzy green glider from the book and just type away. And it was, I would just pour myself out onto the page. I mean, a lot of times I would be in tears. And then when my two hours were up, I would come out and go back into the mom role. And I later was like, I'm so grateful that I wrote that book while in the trenches of motherhood because everybody's told me like, this is the most realistic depiction of this. But also it's kind of insanity producing to, in your time off from being a mom, to then go write about the hardships of being a mom. Because then I actually didn't get any time to myself. But I felt like I was, but I was getting therapy. So it was this funny thing where I'd, you know, I'd have the scene, like the pop-up shop scene where there's just pandemonium and a mom getting slapped. And then I would come out of it down to my kids who were begging me for snacks. And I would be like, why am I doing this? But it's like, it was all, it's all material, right? Like Nora Efron says. It's right. Yes. And that's, I think what is part of what made this book so relatable. It's like, especially the bedtime stuff. I mean, and just... Bedtime when you're like down, you're just on your last leg and then like, it just won't end. Like the kid comes out again. You're like, no. Anyway, just all the thoughts really validating in a way that mm-hmm. like some of So anyway. Yeah. So what's coming next for you? Mm. Gosh, this is a, oh, well, it's funny because there's so much, as you know, so much anticipation when your book comes out. And especially I'd, I'd written it a couple years ago, but then trying to get it published as its own its own process and so then how long that takes so i had been working on this it had been i'd been birthing this for like 4 or 5 years so i'm now a month out on the other side and i love it because i i don't have a thing in the back of my head that's like one more thing for me to do so but my personality is such that i always have ideas i just don't have enough time to do them so i'm always working on like five things you know you and i had sort of talked before about being one of those people who has ideas and then actually, you know, follows through with them. So I've been torn a little bit on, it was like the day after my book launched, I was like, what do I do? And this voice in my head was like, this is the time that you enjoy, Brandy. Like, this is the time where you just get to chill. And then this other voice was like, no, 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 no. This is the time you have to hustle even harder. So I was in a tug of war in my own head for at least that first week. And now I've leaned into enjoying not hustling. 
for it. So having said that, I have an agent who is working on trying to get my sequel picked up. But actually, (laughs) there's something that I haven't talked about and I've been toying with how to talk about it or if I should talk about it. And I feel like I'm just- Talk about it. I'm going to talk about it with you because I feel like you're, you're my people who will understand it. So my so adult conversation was published by an indie publisher named She Writes. And so I had a hard time getting this book picked up. I think because it was about a mom, specifically a stay-at-home mom. And I learned over these past and still continue to learn that there is such a bias against mothers. I knew this, you feel it in the world. So I was so happy when She Writes picked it up and they were they're this indie feminist press. And it was the perfect place for it. So my agent right now is trying to see if we can get a big five publisher to pick up adult conversation to have a bigger distribution and then also sell the sequel, which I have outlined, which I'm super excited about, but also I'm enjoying my break. Okay, here's the hard part that I haven't talked about. The people in the publishing world who make the decisions on which books to to green light most of them have never had to be April. So what I'm finding is it's incredibly difficult to get a story picked up by people who have a bias against a certain group of people, stay-at-home mothers. So then the other piece of this too is I had a, a film producer reach out to me and my book was in a New York Times article back in February. So I had a producer reach out who said, this sounds, your book sounds really interesting. I'd love to read it. Maybe we want to make a movie of it. So he read it. Thankfully, he loved it. So I wrote a screenplay adaptation of it with a little bit of change. And so we're getting the same thing from Hollywood, which is, again, the people in the high up positions. And and there's, of course, there's totally a layer of like, it's not right, or they produce a book or a movie like it, or they think the writing is shit or whatever. So I'm not saying that this is the only reason. I just find it interesting that the same issue that I had finding an original publisher, I'm having a hard time finding a second publisher and then somebody in Hollywood to pick it up. And I'm just noticing that it feels like there is a bias. And so my producer and I were even talking about well, maybe we write April to be a working mom because people value working moms because they bring in money. And I'm so against that because it's like, it's, it goes against everything that my book stands for, which is why do we have to earn money in order to be able to get basic human rights and equality? And yet I keep coming up against this same hurdle, which is apparently we do, or there's, there's just some miss there. But so I'm I'm just trying to grapple with what that's all about. Part of me thinks, am I never going to break through this unless people change their minds about, about motherhood and about moms? I don't know. I know there's other books that have been published on the topic, but it's like you tell people you wrote a book about motherhood and people immediately roll their eyes. So that's not a good starting point, right? So, and some of the some of the publishers, like some of the notes that we had gotten back were, Somebody said, you know, I just, I just can't relate to the character. And it's just an interesting thing because it's like, I read books about people I can't relate to. I'm not an addict, so, but I, I love to read stories about people who went through addiction. And so I just find it interesting. And it reminds me of, and I keep saying this, and I, maybe I'm wrong, but that's why I'm going to say it, is I think in some cases people have, women specifically, have baggage about their own choices. So a lot of the people in higher up positions in Hollywood, 
that are women in Hollywood and in the publishing industry chose not to have children and have careers. And I think that sometimes reading literature about the choice they didn't make and then having to have compassion for a character who made a choice they didn't and is struggling with it, I don't think is there. And again, I could be wrong on that, but some of the notes that we've gotten back about people not being able to relate to or whatever, I it reminds me of I with my daughter with my second pregnancy, I was in the hospital for two months because she was high risk. And so I had a team of five high risk OBs. There were two women and three men. And I thought I would love the women because they were they were moms. They'd been there. They they know what all the parts do. You know, it's like I can relate to them. The funny thing was is they would never listen to my questions. And, and I looked and, but the men were, it was like, they had no baggage, but it was like every question I asked my, my woman OBs, they were like, well, when I was pregnant, blah, blah, blah. So it was like, they had this, their story, what my questions or my choices meant for their story. Whereas the guys didn't bring any of that. So I would ask them all sorts of, you know, questions about things and they, they would answer them and they would entertain them. Whereas I was, it felt very condescending from the women. So I'm still figuring out this theory and seeing where there are holes and what's what, but it's definitely something I'm experiencing, which feels very ironic with the book that I wrote to then be a a stay-at-home but working part-time mom who's trying to get to the next level, but is finding hurdle after hurdle in this way. It's a little bit enraging, but I also know that it can take time. So that's my big long rant that I haven't really talked about, but have been really feeling over the past four months. Well, it sounds like that person could also be a character in a book. This whole thing could be in a book. It could be a book about this. It could be, but it probably wouldn't get published, <laughs> right? That's, that's the thing. <laughs> like, I'm talking about this real stuff, and then, and, and my husband said the funniest thing when I was talking to him about this. He goes, but you're platinum in the streets, and that's all that matters, because he's like, the people you wrote this for love it. You know, you're getting these great reviews and you get people mentioning, you know, messaging you all the time. And so what if like the higher ups don't know that there's value in it or whatever? And that's true. So I'm having to make peace with like, or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to set myself up for like, what, you know, what if this doesn't get picked up further and, and all of that kind of stuff that authors go through anyway. So I'm just trying to parse out like what's part of the process that can take years. And then what of it is actually like a bias about a certain group of people. So, and I don't totally know, but I know that I feel something that is related to that with, in both worlds, in the Hollywood world and also in the publishing world. Very interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yes. Thanks for opening up. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Having been through this process, or I mean, I know you're looking for another publisher, but you have a great, I mean, it's already out here. It's in my hand. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) What advice would you have to aspiring authors? Gosh, well, first of all, you have to have perseverance, which I think I've just, (laughs) we just talked a lot about. It's a long road. And so that actually goes back to I think my number one piece of advice for people is to have a message that you're passionate about because this process requires so much of you and so much perseverance. And if you're not excited about your material or feel like people need to hear this, then what is going to push you to keep going even when you get beaten down time after time? You know, like I get rejections almost every day from, oh, we have another publisher that rejected, you know, this part or this part, or we have another director that rejected. And it's like, the only thing that keeps me going is that I know that my message is helpful. And so that would that's what I would say to aspiring writers 
is what is that thing that you need to say and that you are the perfect person to say it? I mean, things have been, things have been said over and over, but what is your specific gift? How are you going to talk about this that nobody's talked about it before? And how are you going to bring the passion behind it? And because I don't want to read a book by somebody who wasn't passionate about their message. I want to read a book by somebody who was like, I'm willing to be rejected for five years to get my, my message out. So I would say that it takes tenacity and perseverance and luck, all of these sorts of things. And to just make sure that you have your own belief in your own message. I mean, there's so many things. The, the other thing I would say is Anne Lamott's book, Bird by Bird, that is the greatest gift I was ever given for writing. So that's a, and that's a great place to start for people who are overwhelmed like I was when I first started. I had Anne Lamott on my podcast. Oh, you're so <laughs> lucky. You know, I reached out for her for a blurb. I mean, there was no way. I was just doing it because what did I have to lose? And she actually responded to me. Like it's lovely. The sweetest. Did you find her to be the sweetest? It was great. Oh. It was amazing. Oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with this fantastic adult conversation. And I'm glad we finally could have an adult conversation about yes. it. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you, Zibby, so much. You are so kind and sweet to, to help support me and all that you do. And I just so look up to you every time I see Zibby Owens is going live on Instagram. I'm like, <laughs> how does she do it? How does she do it all the time? So keep up the good work. I'm not doing the lives anymore. I'm done with the lives. I'm, I've, I've, I'm, ba- I'm back to podcasts. <laughs> Only, but anyway. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to one of my debut Tuesday episodes in the July Book Blast series. I really hope you enjoyed it. And it's really my pleasure to bring you some debut authors you might not have heard of or have listened to. So enjoy. I hope you really got a lot out of it. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at zibbyowens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Thank you.